Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is director and producer at Pipe Screen Productions and the author of Sausages, The Making of Dog Soldiers. Welcome to the show, Janine Pipe. Thank you very much for having me. It's absolutely my pleasure. Now, we're going to talk about your book, Sausages, but we're also going to do three films that have impacted everything in your adult life. Um, Yes. Of which the book we're going to talk about will be featuring in that bit. So it's kind of a twice. But So what I want to talk to you about your book first, um, a question I ask documentarians when they make a documentary is, because when you go into a project which is looking at factual stuff, you can perceive what something is, and then you work on it for a long time, and maybe that perception was right or wrong. So for, for you, what about the process of making the book Sausages, the Making of Dog Soldiers? was the greatest surprise to learn about about the making of Dog Soldiers? I think probably one of the big surprises was, despite having to watch it probably around about 50 times during the time of writing the book, I still absolutely love every single time I re-watch it. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing negative about the process at all. You know, every single fact, that I found out about it was like interesting. It uh, it grew my own interest in filmmaking. Um, I found out that not only is Neil a wonderful person like I had hoped that he would be, but everybody involved with the film, they're a real family. Mm. You know, they really came out of that with the So all of the camaraderie that you saw on screen, that was real. You know, they really did treat each other like brothers. They would have, at that point, they would have died for each other. It was all very, and even all of the guys behind the scenes and whatnot, they all had so much fun and they thoroughly enjoyed reminiscing and going down memory lane when they were talking to me about it. And you could hear the pure joy like in their voices when we were doing the interviews and things. It was just absolutely fantastic. And what, what's, what's a particular standout 
fact that you found out that 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 brings you joy to to sort of give to the world as it were about dog soldiers? Uh, probably apart from the fact, well, uh, the the joy would be the fact that it was every, like I said, everything that you see on screen was real. All of that friendship and everything was yeah. they were really like that. Probably one of the things that <laughs> that surprised me. I'm not sure it filled me with joy, but it it filled me with admiration. Was that Kevin McKidd actually broke a rib just before they started filming? So oh, not wow. even joined film just before when they were doing some rehearsal time. And um, he, so some of that wincing at the start of the film, he was still getting over it. <laughs> he was still a bit bruised. My word. So he, yeah, he was, um, you know, he really put in a method acting, we could say. <laughs> and how how many people did you end up interviewing in the end for the book? How many people did you did you speak to? Um, everybody that we could find. Um, so the only people that we didn't talk to, um, we didn't talk to Chris Robson, who played Joe. And we didn't talk to Thomas, who played Bruce Campbell, um, because we couldn't locate either of them. Mm. Then uh, we we used the casting director. We used, you know, sort of anybody that knew anybody in and out of the business. Mm. And they've both, they don't work in the business anymore. So they've kind of shut themselves off. And then the only other person we didn't talk to was Emma, um, who plays Megan, only because, again, she didn't want to be involved, um, not because of anything untoward, but because she has, she's got a family now and she's taken away, herself away from the spotlight. Okay. And she wished us all of the best with the project, but she didn't want to be spoken to. But everybody else was more than happy. You know, I even spoke to the guy who made the fur for the werewolf. You know, we went right into it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it was amazing. And. And when you write write in a book like this, do you did you set yourself any parameters, or did you allow it to grow with what you were finding? Was it about was it a, a, a job of discovery as much as anything else? Yeah, I mean, it was. I had written um, factual things before, but they were very much just you know sort of like under five thousand words, and yeah. like more like reviews and things like that, um, features for magazines. This was the first long form nonfiction that I'd done. And I wasn't sure whether I would get to, you know, like about 20,000 words and be like, Ooh, what do we do now? But it wasn't, it was the complete opposite. I had to keep reining myself in because I was like, no, like they don't need to know that much detail, actually. Let's, <laughs> let's just carry on to the next scene now. It just flowed. And I think that was because I enjoyed it so much. You know, a couple of times my husband would come and like tap me on the arm and be like, it's nearly midnight. You need to stop working now and go to bed. And I'd be like, wow, I can't believe it. The time's just flown by. So I gave myself kind of like self-imposed deadlines because we wanted it to be ready to coincide with the um, anniversary. So this was all decided like the tail end of the December and we needed it ready sort of um, for advanced copies and everything around about the April. So that's actually within the writing world, quite a small window, mm. especially when you're trying to get all of the, you know, if it's all yourself and you're just writing um, your own words, it's easier. But when you're relying on contacting so many people all around the world, you know, it took ages to pin down Kevin McKidd, for example, because, you know, he is so famous. Yeah, yeah, Trying yeah. to get a window of time for him was quite difficult. But we managed to do it and it was just a joy. There was at no time where, you know, normally when you do anything, it gets to a point where you're a bit like, I'm either sick of this or, you know, this is not what I wanted it to be. But the whole way through, I was just like, I love doing this so much. <laughs> and I felt lucky, just really lucky to be doing it. And and got, moving from that kind of magazine format to a longer form of a book, would there be, I mean, for anybody listening who's sort of 
thinking about those longer forms? What sort of lessons learned would you could you pass on about tackling that longer form? Um, I think I, I was lucky in so far that I have released um, fiction in longer form. Yeah. So it wasn't that I'd never written that many words before. Yeah. Um, but you do have to be disciplined. That would be the the most important thing. So there's a kind of, there's a couple of different ways that people do it when it's long form to do with editing as well. Some people will just write and write, 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 write until the very final word yeah. and then go back to the start and edit all the way through it and then other people do it like they might write a chapter and then edit that chapter then they're happy with that so they go into the next chapter and there's different ways and means of doing it i tend to just write and just go for it yeah because it, that's easier for me because if i stop and start analyzing something it might take me three months to get that first chapter right <laughs> i'd rather do everything and then go back through it um, and that's that's the way that I do it. There is no wrong or right way, but it is very much you have to be disciplined with it. You have to kind of sit down and say to yourself, right, I've got three hours today because of a day job or the family or this, but I need to I need to do this many words in this time and try and get that done. Because otherwise you're going to end up with a huge block needing doing. And if you've got a looming deadline, then that puts the pressure on. Yeah. As soon as you're pressured, that makes it not enjoyable then. Sausages the Making of Dog Soldiers is out now. People can get that what most places they can get books from, I guess. Um, in the UK, it's really only Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, we are, what well, the publisher is working to try and get it into some bookshops as well. Um, you can get it in, I think, Barnes & Noble over in the US, but for, for UK listeners, it, Amazon's the easiest. Well, look, let's move into the uh, three films that have impacted everything in your adult life. Now, choice number one won't be a surprise to listeners. You've got this far with the show. Um, but before we get into them, I'll just explain the rules for anyone that hasn't listened to this format before, has come new to hear Janine talk. Um, Janine's given me three films. I've got a timer, and it's going to run for five minutes. And when five minutes are up, we will hear this sound, which is time to stop and time to move on to the next film. And that's as simple as the format gets. So is that okay with you, Janine? Yes. Clock is ticking and no surprises for number one on the films that have impacted in your, in your adult life. It will be 2002's Dog Soldiers directed by Neil Marshall. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, let's let's start with, I mean, the, the first question there is, where does this film first land with you? When are you first seeing it and where? I, I first saw it in 2002 and I would absolutely love to say sat in the cinema but it wasn't it was a pirate copy put on a um like a old sheet in a bar in Corfu really <laughs> that was the first time I saw it yeah obviously didn't know anything about it was just sat on holiday with my husband and we were having a few beers and um, I think they've been showing the football or something. And suddenly, like switched over onto like this really like grainy, terrible, but obviously pirated copy of a film. And as soon as I saw it was werewolves, which was my favourite um, mythical creature, always has been. And soldiers. And at the time, um, as a teenager, I kind of ummed and ahed about whether to join the police or join the army. So I always had an affinity with soldiers as well. I was in. Um, and obviously there wasn't much that you could see on that pirated um, sheet that was hung up, but I saw enough to, to really enjoy it. And I specifically remembered the, the bit with Sean Pertby's sausages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. 
And then about a couple of years later, we were just in Blockbuster. RIP. Um, and I saw it on the shelf. Uh, so we picked it up and brought it back to watch it again. And that was it. it, it I absolutely fell in love. And, you know, that, have watched it hundreds of times ever since. And how, how do you think that, having watched it so many times, how do you, what do you think is, what do you think makes the film so appealing to, I mean, like music we listen to a lot. That seems like perfectly normal. Yeah. Watching films a lot is unusual to most people, not unusual to me. And not unusual to yeah. you, but how does the film remain fresh to you then as you watch it that many times? What are you seeing? It's the, it's the characters. A hundred percent it's the characters. They are like old friends. Um, it's something that it's a, it's a comfort watch for me, definitely. If I've mm. got the sniffles or I'm not feeling very well, it's like, right, I'm lying on the sofa. What am I going to do? I'll put dog soldiers on. Every time I watch it, um, I never fail to cry uh, with it, almost every single death. I never fail to laugh out loud at certain moments, even though I know they're coming. Um, I'll whistle along with the whistling. I start to, like repeating the lines as they're coming because obviously I know them so much. So I'm, I'm annoying to watch it with if you haven't seen it before, I imagine. But yeah, they're like they're like friends and family now, especially having met several of them in real life and sort of been able to relate to them even more now. It's just, I still get real joy every single time I watch it, even though I know what's coming, even though I get really cross with Megan towards the end because I know she's going to betray Kev. Uh, yeah, I just, I can watch it over and over. And how, having got this close to the people that made the film, how has that altered your relationship with Dog Soldiers? If anything, it's made me love it even more. Amazing. Because, you know, all of these things where they, you know, people say, don't peek behind the curtain, mm. don't meet your heroes because they might be a complete dick. Well, I peeked behind the curtain and all it made me do was want to make my own films. I was that inspired and enjoyed it, talking about it so much. And don't meet your heroes is bullshit because Neil is just the nicest person in the world. And I spent the weekend with him, um, Sean Pertwee, Darren Morfitt and Craig Conway when we went to Manchester for the love of horror. And they're, they're all just genuinely lovely people. And, and I adore them even more. And, and for the unsuspecting viewer that may not have seen it, what's, yeah. what's the scene or sequence that for you is the one that that is is a favourite in the film. It's everybody would expect me probably to go with something like the Eddie Oswald speech, um, which is if you haven't seen it, that would be a, a scene that I would recommend to people to watch because I just think that is just absolute perfect monologue, um, and it sends goosebumps down my spine whenever I watch it. But my favourite scene is quite near the beginning. It's very short, less than a minute. And it's where they're all sat down before anything's even happened. And Kev McKidd is just talking about um, the beast of Bobman Moore. So it's like an, it's, it's a mini exposition. Mm. It's Neil's way of kind of setting that little bit of the backstory because he, um, Kev is now telling the rest of the guys what happened at the start because he's saying about the campers that were found and all of this kind of thing. And it's so clever and it's so um, quick but it fills them in on what they need to know. And it also, you see that little bit of banter because they're kind of going, woo, when like you can see that Terry's like a little bit nervous and I think they like throw something at him. And it's just that one little less than a minute scene, which kind of tells you everything that you need to know about this group of men. And that was our five minutes. <laughs> I just checked my phone on it and it, it just beat just slightly so it didn't go off properly. But uh, 
Well done. <laughs> That's your first five minutes. Thank you very much for that on Dog Soldiers. Just before we move on to the next one, you'd said at the beginning you've seen it on a white sheet pirated copy in Corfu, but you also said the, the werewolf is your favourite folklore creature. So do you want to just expand on that a moment, please? Yeah, just um, because I grew up, um, well, basically everything um, to do with my love of horror is to do with my dad. Mm. Um, my dad's a huge horror fan and he passed that on to me very, very early. And I grew up in Somerset, which is full of lore and legends. And yeah. all of it. We've got King Arthur and Glastonbury on the doorstep and whatnot. Um, and there were always books in the house. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details to do with mythical creatures and things like that and then when I was a teenager we moved into the whole kind of like Buffy and the X-Files and all of that kind of stuff so I always enjoyed all of that but of all of the monsters and everything it's always been the werewolf which has fascinated fascinated me the most um and no matter what you know you see all of these things that they do with especially with vampires and whatnot but the werewolf, in my opinion, is the one creature which has really stayed as much as possible true to its original form. It's a horrific beast that can't control their urges that, you know, no matter what happens and even if they have chained up because people know what they are and whatnot, they still change and they still want to do this horrific stuff that they can't remember and there's something just so primal about that i also love dogs and wolves are mm. one of my favorite creatures so there's a little bit of that in there but there's just yeah i think the werewolves have remained terrifying even though twilight tried to you know do bits and pieces with that but um it's it and again it's not only the creature that remains the most terrifying and interesting for me but it's the creature that uh, there isn't much of 
there's, mm. you know, vampires, zombies, all of ghost films is like, they're to a penny, but there's not that many werewolf films because it's so bloody difficult to portray the werewolf properly. So there's still a bit of mystique about it. Um, and I love, I've done like major research into it and stuff, even like back in Germany, um, like the 1600s or something, they had werewolf trials, you know, like the witchcraft trials. And oh, everything. wow. For people that were actually tried for being werewolves. And okay, I know that's back in the dark ages and people are different. You know, you only needed to, to have a, a birthmark or something and people thought you were a witch or a werewolf or something. But I still find that fascinating that there's documented trials of people were tried for being werewolves. I feel that's amazing. I, I feel it's amazing myself. That's the first I've ever heard of it. And um, thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. Look it up. I think I'm pretty sure it's Germany. The werewolf trials. Amazing. And then it's like, yeah, all of the um, because uh, the they think that the first um werewolf came from um where where the word lycanthropy comes from was King Lycan, um oh, back okay. in the, uh, the Greek times. Because oh, I forget the story exactly, but it's something like he tried to um feed. I'm going to say Zeus, um, his dead son or something like that. And, and as punishment, he was turned into a werewolf. So there's, you know, that's where they say the original werewolf comes from. Amazing. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's, it's, it's steeped in history. Yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> Your second choice is, I'm guessing with the slash, we're saying Terrifier and Terrifier 2, aren't we? We're saying, are you saying both? Yes. Yeah, Damon, Damon Leone's Gorefest. Do you want to talk us through... Discovering that and why it had such impact on you. This one is actually very, very recent for me. Um, even though obviously Terrifier had been out for a while, mm. um, I am massively, massively afraid of clowns. Cannot stand them. They creep me the fuck out. I can't. I can't even look at a clown without <laughs> feeling slightly unwell. So obviously, when Terrifier first came out, I can distinctly remember the little icon coming up on Netflix and being like, "Nope, not in a million years am I ever going to watch that." Um, and then I happened to be listening to the movie crypt with Adam and Joe mm. um, last summer. And Damien was on there talking about because uh, Terrifier 2 was about to come out. And I remember listening to it. And, you know, sometimes you just like, it's as if the time had just gone within a couple of minutes, although it was like nearly a two hour interview. It was just so interesting and so much that Damien was saying was really resonating with me about a similar childhood with a parent that let you watch all this stuff too early and everything but he took it that bit further and while he was watching all these video nasties and things he actually wanted to learn about how to do it you know hmm. there was no fear there he would see you know like a, a Tom Savini blood on like maniac or something and he wanted to know how Tom did all of that yeah and he actually taught himself all of the effects you know, and he apologized to his mum because she'd come home and like open up the shower curtain and there'd be like blood and stuff everywhere because he'd been doing one of his effects again. And just listening to, again, the passion that Damien had and that he was completely self-taught. He hadn't been to film school or done anything like that. Um, I was really just inspired by listening to him. Um, and I still wasn't brave enough to watch Terrifier. And then I went to the same convention, um, the one up in Manchester that I was there with the Dog Soldiers guy and Damien was there with David Howard Thornton. So I thought, right, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to go and introduce myself because it's still a bit fangirly with people like that. And um, he was just, again, just such a lovely, nice person. And because I'm always completely honest with people, there's no point bullshitting. I said, I really admire your work. And this is going to sound really weird. I really admire your work, but I've never seen it. <laughs> I haven't been brave enough. 
But now I now I can see David here as a normal man and not as Art the Clown. I think I'm going to treat myself when I get home and I'm actually going to watch it. And they thought it was hilarious. Um, and I had a good chat with them. Then I went home and I watched Terrifier, quickly followed by Terrifier 2, more or less straight after because it had just come out on mm. DVD. This was like late October. And then All Hallows Eve, because then by this point, I was like, yeah, actually, Art is creepy as fuck. And I appreciate that he is. But the films are so amazing. I can take the fear away because he's funny as well. And knowing that Damien had put all that time and effort into those effects and knowing, especially with Terrifier 2, how long it had taken, you know, like three years to be able to do all those bits and pieces. Mm. And having like spoke to him about some of the effects and seeing some of the behind the scenes stuff. It was so inspiring. That was what actually kind of made me speak to one of my friends and say, right, we're going to make a film. We've got to do it. I need to do it. I need, I'm never going to be like Damien. I don't even pretend I could be like that. But this is what I want to do. I want to do practical effects. I love gore and everything. Let's make a film. And is there is there a particular gore moment that people should be looking for when they come to Terrify? I mean, Terrify 2 has got, I mean, I've not seen Terrify 2, but it has got some reputation now for being an uncompromising gore fest. Yeah, I mean, the the big scene in there, there's a bedroom scene um, where Art goes in to see uh, one of Sienna, the main character's friends. And basically it's about a, like a five, 10 minute kill scene. It goes on and oh on word. and on and on. And just when you think, oh my God, he can't do anything else to her. It's still doing more and more. You know, the girl's being, she's been like flayed. She's been scalped. She's had one of our arms cut off, another one like ripped down the side. Gee whiz. It's no, just, it is then, isn't it? It is, yeah. And when you kind of know that he's, t- you know, that all of that is practical, that, you know, Casey Hartner, who, who plays Ali, has really got like, you know, sort of like the, um, the, the, um, like skull cap on and he's mm. really like, you know, to like cut through it and like put it. It's just, and, you know, she's really is, okay, hasn't really cut her arm off, but she's got the one arm behind the back. And so they're crawling on with like the prosthetic hanging off and stuff. It's just fantastic. And there's that bit of humor in there as well, because as she's kind of lying there and he's like flayed all her back and everything, he like rocks back in with um like some salt in one hand and some bleach in the other and starts pouring it on her. And, you know, if you get like, a, if you've got a paper cut and you eat a bag of crisps, it's agony. So you know <laughs> what that must have felt like for her. And it's just, it's brilliant. But there's another um, scene, which is, um, oh, am I allowed to finish the thought? Yeah, go on, finish your thought. <laughs> yeah, so um, again, because he might, like his big admiration was Tom Savini. Um, and Tom Savini obviously has a, a very specific um, kill, like Maniac and whatnot. You know it's his um, with the headshots, mm. you know, and you can arguably say that that's still one of the best headshots that there are. So um, one of the characters actually has, it's a complete homage to Tom Savini where they blow up her head. And that's just a brilliant scene as well. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, I think you sell the film very well. Damien would be very proud, I do believe. (laughs) Now, the third one is the second in the Cornetto trilogy. It's 2007's uh, Edgar Wright's Hot Fuzz. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to guess, is this partly down to it being a film in your neck of the woods as much as anything else? Yeah, so twofold. First of all, yes, it's, uh, it's not only set um, in um, like the Cotswolds kind of era, but it was filmed in Wales as well. So yes, it's very close around here. So even just listening to the accents and whatnot, it's like, it makes you homely. 
but um, because of it being about the police, and I actually watched this when I was in the police. Okay. And yeah, and a lot of the times, um, you know, it's like a busman's holiday kind of thing. And when when I was a serving police officer, we couldn't watch programs like um, I'm going back a bit, but like the Bill. Mm. I really used to love watching the Bill before I joined the police, and afterwards, you kind of like I can't watch that. That's not what I would do. You know, you start like arguing with the TV and stuff. But every single police officer in our station loved Hot Fuzz. And I think it's not only because it's like, it's just because it's just so silly, but it's not taking the piss out of the police in like a mean way or anything. It's mm. just, it, it's country policing to a T. And it is just so silly. And again, it's, um, I love all three. And Children of the Dead is obviously, you know, got another very special place in my heart. But it's hot fuzz for me, which I can just watch and just laugh all the way through. I love it. I mean, yeah, because it because it inverts the usual trope of the country cop who goes to the big city and is like swallowed up yes. by it all, doesn't it? In the way yes. that yeah. it has the guy who thinks he's Dirty Harry and yeah, <laughs> and really, there's the worst that could happen is a bus could be late. Yes, definitely, but it's just. It is. And I mean, a part of it is the chemistry uh, between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And mm. obviously they'd already built up that relationship with Edgar at that point as well, yeah. um, which comes across. But it's a stellar cast. Literally, you're there going, oh my God, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's you. Or, you know, every single person is, uh, you know, like a member of British royalty, really, when you're watching it. And it is just every character is just uh, just hilarious. It's just, it's like, Bill Bailey playing the twin sergeants. Uh, one does like the daytime stuff and one does the nighttime stuff, but they don't seem to communicate. So you've got Bill Bailey doing the nobody tells me nothing, which is one of my favourite lines of the entire film. And it's just completely stupid, but it just makes me laugh every time. And we love Bill Bailey anyway. And do, and do you see, is there any influence on you as a filmmaker from something like Hot Fuzz? I mean, I can see obviously from Terrifier or Dog Soldiers with your horror stuff, but obviously... Edgar's a more broader church, so... Um, possibly. Uh, it definitely shows that you can still have the, like, the humour and the action and the amazing characters that come from, um, like, Shaun of the Dead, and you don't have mm. to have the goriness of, and the zombies and all of that kind of stuff. You can put it into other genres which are still... Um, kind of within... Because there's still the darkness in Hot Fuzz, with yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. all of the murder that's going on and that kind of stuff um i don't know if somebody wanted me to make a film like that then definitely because i i love i'd love to make a police film one day but i think that i would quite like to seven is another one of my favorite films i'd mm. quite like to go down that kind of route if i was doing a police film yeah. i mean what what i enjoy what i enjoy most about what edgar does is like i mean you've got the the, the typical the, the small village that we can all picture and then he yeah. brings the kind of Hollywood cutting and framing. So suddenly yeah. it's, it's like it's made cinematic when really you, it could, you know, it could so easily be Midsummer Murders when it, if it was shot differently, yes. you know, but yeah. obviously what he yeah. does, he, he gives it this drive and energy. Oh God. Yeah. Um, Edgar Wright is, yeah, he's amazing. Whenever I know there's something new of his coming out, I'm, I'm always excited for it. But I think again, this one holds a special place in my heart because of the police officers just you know and it and it's nice to be able to watch uh, a police officer film that isn't um, too serious but also isn't about like constant like bent coppers and all that kind of stuff as well they are just 
And I think um, as much as I love Simon Pegg's character, I absolutely love Nick Frost in this film. <laughs> I mean, what what's with you, when you were serving police officer? What was what is the is there a scene in that film that the old police the old police officer the, the, the ones who are fans of the film they they see themselves in or they enjoy the most? Just um, just all of it, really. You know, there was every person would be like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, so I was only a uniformed officer. Yeah. So we would be able to like, you know, like nudge each other and be like, especially like the two Andys be like, oh, yeah, we know someone in CID who's like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and there was um, uh, like if, if a female officer made like a bit of a silly comment, you would call them Doris, you know. So there were there was all kinds of things that we uh, that we appreciated about it. Well, look, that was the sound of the, the five minutes are up, and that's your three films. So I'll just yes. recap for the for the audience. That was Dog Soldiers from 2002, directed by Neil Marshall. Terrified, Terrified 2, 2016-2022 from Damien Leone, and Hot Fuzz 2007, Edgar Wright. That's been Janine Pipe, the author of Sausages, The Making of Dog Soldiers, which I will put a link into the show notes. And it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving your time on the BritFlix podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I can't believe I managed to get the five minutes in for each of them. That was quite exciting, actually. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.